They were as welcoming as the light of the sun that returned each day. The silver glow of the night's moon reflected from the ocean's waves, and the wild dandelions inside our tiny garden, which, though untended, returned each spring. With the wonder of those images, the empty house in front of me began to lose its power. Pleasant memories floated whimsically in and out of consciousness, framing the outer edges of recall. Colorful memories skipped through time, faded, leaving room for still others, while lending comfort in the process. My mother, looking out from our living room window, waiting for me to come home, as she often did during the times when she was well. The bedroom I shared with my big brother Herbie, the clothes flapping in the breeze, hanging on a line stretching from our bedroom window to a pole in the backyard. Summers filled with days at the beach and ocean, and Tuesday nights watching fireworks at the boardwalk. Though both my parents were no longer alive, I could see Mother setting the kitchen table, hear Father coming up the stairs, other memories also surfaced, appearing as nightmares do, in fragments of frayed, unframed photos, coming unexpectedly from an underground world of freak-show images, waiting for the right time, the vulnerable moment to attack. Times when Mother was ill, when my parents fought and no one explained anything to me, when I felt off-guard, nervous, uncertain about what was happening, and all that father would say was, your mother, she's not herself these days. Flashes of horrifying, bizarre moments forced me to question whether I was hallucinating a past that never was, or inventing one for reasons perverse and unknown. Was I fabricating them? piecing together images from scenes I'd seen in movies or stories I'd read in books. Mother, in the middle of the night, pacing frantically past my room, opening and shutting doors, her voice a stranger's, her body a shadowy silhouette against my wall, a ghost-like image zooming in and out of focus. With my senses battling to separate what I thought was real from what I might have imagined, I lingered for a moment longer in front of the house, looking up to what had been our living room window, and left, memories still with me. Until that day, this is what I remembered. We lived in that house, 3051 Brighton 2nd Street, until I was 17. The street had no apartment buildings, only small houses, some brick, most stucco. A few one-family homes with front porches stood in contrast to the ones like ours, two-story bungalows that comprised most of the block. Each had a tiny garden in front, a few had garages in back. Sidewalks were swept clean daily, as was the gutter, the paved part of the street in which cars drove and boys played stickball. There was seldom any traffic from cars or horse-driven wagons. 
Few of them entered Second Street. When they did, the boys knew to stop their game until it was safe to resume playing, and the girls, my friends and I, played handball in alleyways, stoop ball or hopscotch out front, and pick-up sticks and monopoly on the sidewalk. None of us feared the complaints of neighbors or passing strangers. The street was our playground. It belonged to everyone. Since immigrants, primarily from Eastern Europe, dominated the neighborhood, there were constant reminders of the old country. Ethnicity was not merely a gentle sprinkling of aromas filling the air from open marketplaces and kitchen windows. It was heard in the different dialects of Russian, Polish, Hungarian, and Yiddish, interspersed with variations of broken English.